This is The Great Equalizer, a parenting podcast about the realities of being a mom or dad in the 2020s. We are your hosts, Sam and Charlene, and we believe we're all rocking the same kind of crazy. So let's get real, let's get honest, and let's have a laugh about the ups and downs of our current upside down. Hashtag no judges. On this episode of The Great Equalizer, Sam wants a demotion. Charlene is larger than life. And we chat about how our children's mental health is taking a dive. And what we can do about it. With actor, life coach and dad, Sven Rygrock. Hello. Hello. (laughs) How are you? I'm about to run away if I can find a jet plane. What's the... That will take me... Deal with the demotion. Is your boss being a dick again? My boss is being a dick. (laughs) This one. Yeah, you know, I often talk about One Bad Mother, um, my favorite parenting podcast, and the one that inspired me to get this one cracking with you. And they often say that moms are the presidents of everything. And that's AKA being the default parent. Mm, mm, mm. It's not always moms who are the default parent, but it's most commonly moms who are the default yeah, parent. Yeah, for the most part. That's why we call it the mother load. And we also say we did not marry assholes. Mm-hmm. I did not. My asshole um, helps out quite a bit. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> um, Ray does a lot and our house is pretty egalitarian especially at the moment but there is a lot that I am president of Mm. and take on um it was Noah's second birthday now any mom listening and you know Charlene when there is a birthday or a school concert which is also coming up or any number of things that need to be remembered and noted the mom takes on that responsibility Mm. I'm done. I'm like depleted. Mm. I cannot continue thinking about all of these things. What needs to be thought about? And yeah, we've gotten through October now, but we're properly heading into silly season. Yeah. November is crazy with concert dates for both kids. God help the people who have more than two kids. How do you do it? Yeah. How do you I, do it? It's nuts. I, I, <laughs> I feel it. I feel it too. Just like two days ago, I said to Red, I, can, I cannot remember everything anymore. I can't even remember what to remember yeah. anymore. Yeah. <laughs> so I want a demotion. I'm done. I cool. cannot fit anything more in my brain. I don't want to be president of this stuff. And you know what pisses me off? I need to schedule a therapy session, but I'm avoiding it because I know and people with who attack this kind of thing with logic, go, but did you need to pick that up? Do you need to be doing this? Did Noah need a party on Saturday? You can say no, you don't have to do things in the way that you do them. You know, Noah didn't actually need a cake on Saturday in addition to school cupcakes on Tuesday on his actual birthday. Like, do you know? Yes, yes. You, you don't have to. You be can simplify things for yourself. You can lower your expectations. You can say only yes to some things. Cool, that's great. But why can't I have my cake and eat it? Why can't I have a a PA, a personal assistant <laughs> for my life, who like 
yeah. does the things. So I still get to have the things that I'd ideally want my kids to have. And I don't have to be the one that's under pressure to get it done. So at the moment, I'm really in like a mommy martyr way mm. of thinking about shit. Of It's always me. I want to look at my whole family and some of my friends and everybody and be like, fuck the lot of you. I'm doing everything. <laughs> and you all are doing nothing. And I know I can hear my therapist in my ears going, what have you done for yourself? You know, I just want to curl into a ball and be like, can someone just look after me? Mm. And my therapist goes, you, you look after you. Mm. You need to do that. So I know these things. And I, I say my therapist, I also have my mom-in-law ringing in my head. And we had this discussion when I was saying how the school's um, like WhatsApp group is like on fire. It's all of these things, these like directives they're shooting at us. And, mm. and my mom-in-law said, but you're placing importance on that. And I'm just like, I don't, at this point, I'm not in a position to hear that advice. I know uh. these things. I know these things. I know that that's my choice. I know you're the voice of reason, but just please don't talk right now. <laughs> just be quiet for now. <laughs> yeah. I'm feeling the pressure of being the default parents. I'm feeling the pressure mm. of knowing, of, of, of having to know all of these things and remember this long list. And some of the things I do need to pay attention to and some of the things I don't. Yeah, but still, you can't change how you feel because... Yes, you know, you know, practically, I can just like eliminate this or ignore that or fuck that I'm not doing that. But on the other things, you do feel compelled to do them, like the two cupcakes, the cupcakes for the school party and the birthday party. Nobody's holding a gun to your head to do those things. But no. you know that it's important to you to also try and achieve that for you and for your kid. And for my and, child. Because for your child. We could have, sure... He he could have gotten his cake at school, but then I don't blow candles with him on mm, that day. Yes. Only school does. So I don't have the opportunity to properly celebrate with the him. The thing is, you're not doing these things just for the sake of doing them. You're not like, oh, this is what society expects of me. That's mm. not why you're doing these things. So it is pressure because, yes, we are putting that pressure on ourselves. However... I don't want to look back with regrets. I don't yeah. want... And maybe I won't. Maybe I'll look back and I'll be like... That probably wasn't necessary. I, yeah. I should not have done that. Overkill. Why did I do that? But yeah. on the rare occasion that I do look back and I'm like, shit, I should have probably done that. You, you're going to feel cuck about yourself. Can I tell you, this reminds me of something like in, in COVID, in 2020, I'm heavily pregnant with Noah and Elijah's got arts and crafts <laughs> piling up from the whole year and from previous school, you know, um, from previous school years and we've got boxes and boxes full off. of this stuff yeah and my plan and I've accomplished it um, my plan was and is still to uh, take all of those arts and crafts send them off to a company called Bumblebox mm -hmm. not sponsored yes <laughs> um, you're and, welcome <laughs> <laughs> and get they photograph all these arts and crafts and put them in a beautiful like memory book yes and then you can choose what to just chuck without having that guilt because you will always remember those arts and crafts being in this beautiful sort of coffee table book yes and it's much more organized it's all the same size it's not like some are a one some are a three yeah. and the things aren't like breaking and peeling off exactly yes. they're not going to get sort of demolished over time they're gonna you know yeah um 
And so that was the plan. But And I'm collecting all of the stuff and I was sorting through it systematically in 2020. Yeah. Next thing I look, Ray has chucked a lot of the art in the dustbin. And I lost my shit at him. And I'm like waving my fist and I'm just like, one day, one day our kids are going to be out of the house. And you are going to regret having done that. You are going to look back and you're going to want that art. And the one I, I think about this stuff, I had a good old rant, and I'm just like, this that is part of the that mental load on my mind, yes, yeah, it, it's, and it's nonsense, it right? It is nonsense, it's kids' art, but and there's gonna be a million more where that came from. <laughs> I mean, I go through this art, and I know ex- I, this is so relatable for me, and I am a hundred percent it's sure one of those stupid things that whoever is listening to us <laughs> is relating hard, hard relate, yeah, right now. But it's true because you look at it and you're like, I can't even remember some of the things. I can't even tell whether Jess or Josh did. And I have to like flip it around to check for the name on the back. <laughs> but the, this like pressure of of just doing it right, doing right by them, doing right by me, doing it right. Just like keeping these things, these memories. Are we going to have their first portrait ever again? No. Yeah. I've, got, I've kept the first portraits Elijah ever drew of himself. Yeah. I've kept it. Who is going to give a shit one day? I don't know. I don't know whether I'll care about it one day, but I don't want to be the person. Who cares about it one day and then and I then didn't. I've thrown it away. I didn't take that into consideration. So yes. as ridiculous as kids' art is, there are hundreds of similar things running yeah. through my mind at all points in addition to my work. Yeah, that actually, <laughs> that actually is really important. Yeah. Because well, for now. For now. Because back when we look on that art, what's going to be important? The work that I did in October that's given me endless stress? Or the artwork that I filed and finally put away and sent off to Bumblebox? It's all relative though, Sam. But I hear you. I hear you. So it is all relative, but everything is of equal importance. And as my therapist says, if everything... um. If everything is important, then nothing is important. Mm-hmm. And what you pick up is just as important as what you put as down. The next one, yeah. So when it comes to the juggle, juggle, you need to remember that you intentionally put something down to pick something else up. Yes. This year, I intentionally put down having the most rocking bod that I've ever had. <laughs> <laughs> I did not even go there in January because I knew I was going to pick up studies Mm. and become a student again right um so i knew that that was a trade-off that i was making that very intentional trade-off and i've been really good about managing my time and my mental health in that way and your expectations of yourself essentially yeah but the wheels have now properly fallen off and this october broke me Mm. so i'm struggling to get off on a good footing with Mm. november I'm going to take a breath before I cry and we are going to change over to you. Why are you larger than life? <laughs> <laughs> well, aside from the fact that my personality is just in general larger than life, true. I had the most interesting conversation with my almost five-year-old daughter on Sunday. <laughs> um, we were driving into our estate and one of my friends who lived just on one of the roads in our estate um it was her birthday that day so i say to them in the car oh it's so and so's birthday um they went uh, hot air ballooning for her 40th 
And I thought that was such a great idea. So I'm telling the children because, I mean, going in a hot air balloon seems like something quite interesting. And also they can relate to this 40th birthday because I turned 40 this year. So for they understand that your 40th birthday is a big deal. Mm. And so um, they're like, is she 40? Jesse says. So I say, yes. So Jesse's just like absolutely gobsmacked by this with this like, face of surprise she's like what how how but how how just as her response how how can that be just like that like she's completely at a loss for words so i'm like what do you mean how can that be she says you're 40 i said yes i am you mean she's not younger than you (laughs) she says to me i'm like no we're the same age so she thinks about it a little bit and she says but why is she so why is she so straight up and down and you're so circular she she describes with her <laughs> hands like this why are you so circular so i'm like do you mean that i'm shorter than her and therefore i look younger or or, or um or what are you are you equating the size to age or what's the story because if that's what you're doing then she should be older than me cuz she's taller yeah. No, no, no. That's not what I mean, mom. I mean, why why is your body so circular and hers so small and straight? <laughs> she says. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, well, you know your size has got nothing to do with your age once you're an adult. I know when you're like five and a three-year-old looks smaller than you, then they're technically younger and the, the, the taller or bigger in size individual is considered older but that's not really how it works once you're an adult that's just so weird she says to me so i'm like do you mean that mommy is more curvaceous in my the shape of my body and auntie sue is quite tall and thin is that what you're referring to and how do you equate that to age no i don't really know how to explain it it's just that you're so circular she says to me okay she, circular is the word she keeps she, using. she keeps keeping circular so i'm like okay cool that's that's a good word i mean for yeah. a four year almost five year old that's a good word circular is a great <laughs> word i'm gonna focus on the positive yeah so joshua he's outraged looks at her and he's like don't say that. That might hurt mommy's feelings, he says. So Aww. I'm like, no, I'm fine, my boy. Don't worry. I like the way I look. I like that I'm more curvy. And I like my body. I'm really comfortable in my body. So I make a point of saying this. So I say, Jess, so um, if you take... Now, I know you're shorter than me. So I say, so Auntie Sam, would you say she's shorter or would you say she's older or younger <laughs> than me? Okay. Also knowing that you're younger. So now I'm wanting to establish if the shorter is going to make her say that you're younger. So she says, she thinks about it a little bit. She's looking out the window. She goes, hmm. Well, she's definitely more beautiful than you, she says. I'm like, that's cool. She's beautiful. I think Auntie Sam <laughs> is beautiful. But I don't know about the age. I think she's probably younger than you. <laughs> so there we go. That is my my daughter's opinion of me. I'm circular. And okay. Yes. <laughs> you know, you sent me a very condensed version in a message. And you took it really well. I would not – I – not Ray, Elijah has done some things 
that I've gone, don't let on that you're self-conscious about that, Sam. Yes, yes. Because um, I don't want him to see that Your I'm insecurities, yeah, yes. That you don't want to put that on them. Yes. yes. You don't want them to, to, to know that you have hang-ups about yourself yeah. because you want to teach them to be confident and that nobody's opinion matters. Mm. You have to like yourself. And those days don't come easy for me right now. As I mentioned, 2022 is not the year of Sam's rocking body. (laughs) One day that will come. (laughs) This year was not Not that year, yes. For Um, you. For me, yeah. But, you know, the one day we were standing at the post nets and I was wearing high, high high-waisted jeans and a crop top. And I was probably using my arms a lot and like a sliver of my my you know skin, skin was showed. exposed yes and he's he was so embarrassed he's standing next to me and he's like trying pulling just down. pulling it down without trying to let anybody notice you know just i'm like what are you doing are you embarrassed yes mom please put your shirt down i've got to say in terms of elijah's standards um he doesn't like ray walking around the house without a shirt on. I was just going to say, have you thought about the fact that he doesn't generally see you in a bikini? Yeah. He doesn't generally see you exposing your torso. And so, because Jessie asked me in about public, that. About me? Yes, in public. Yeah, No, not about you. She about asked me about me and I realized that it's the first time she saw me, noticed that she saw me wearing a bikini. Uh. And she was like, but that looks like a bra and panties and we don't wear those in public. And so uh, I was like, no, it's okay to expose this part, your belly button, and this part is not a private part. You can wear a bikini or you can wear a full costume. And today I feel like showing my belly. I don't know. Elijah's not necessarily about public showing of anything. So okay, yeah. I don't know whether it was, mom, you can't you can't pull off a crop top. <laughs> no, I don't think it, it was that. But my insecurities went, my kid thinks I'm fat. Mm-hmm. Well, at least he didn't say it outright. Mine no. often was like, Mine, why is your belly so big? Why is your belly so round? Well, we had a laugh the other day as well. And I had the same reaction. Like, do not let on that you are insecure. Where my belly was showing under my pajamas. And Elijah like. Oh, yeah. Josh loves like jiggling my belly. It's the yeah, worst. Like, like drum. drummed on it. And we all had a laugh. Ray even had a laugh. And I'm just like. <laughs> Okay, well, have a laugh at the expense of, yes, of my baby. Yes. And I need to remember that it housed the two of you. Yes. And lots of things have happened in this mm. here belly. So, but I am noticing my insecurities and I'm mentioning it because yours are not as prevalent. And no. so you've done a lot of work in that regard and you're in a really great space. It was nice to be able to say to my kids in earnest that I like my body. I like the way it looks. I mean, yes, are there things that I'd like to change or improve on or whatever? I don't I don't look at myself in the mirror and be like, oh, I hate this about myself. Or mm. you know how hard we can be on our, mm. ourselves. And there was a time in my life that I looked in the mirror and I I couldn't even look at the mirror. I couldn't even look at myself. I didn't want photos to be taken of myself. I just, I didn't like what I saw, but it was way deeper than skin deep. And so I had to work really hard on my mental health and my physical health to get to that point. Am I a Miss Bikini Body finalist? No. Will I ever be? 
Most likely not. If I apply myself, I'm sure I can get there. Do I want to do that? No. I I like myself. I like the way I look. I like the way I feel in my body. And I can confidently say that to my kids, but I had to work hard mentally on myself as a person to get there. Mm -hmm. I'm feeling so emotional because I don't think I could say the same thing. I think I avoid the mirror. Yeah. I think I'm in that that place. But there's so much... And I want to cry because there's so much going on in my head. It's not about the way I look. Hmm. I'm sorry. I'm going to talk in the silence <laughs> now to just fill the gap as I, aw- as I awkwardly babble. <laughs> it's a lot. Probably in two days my fucking period will show up and I'll be like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there you are, Aunt Flo. Thanks <laughs> for that cry in the studio. <laughs> Mental health is something we speak a lot about on the show. It's something that we're going to be talking about today. And funny enough, we're not going to be talking about necessarily our own mental health. Yes. We're going to be talking about our kids' mental health. But, I mean, our kids take so much from us. Yes. And just that conversation that we had in the car. And, I mean, kids kids pick up. On your feelings and your insecurities. That's and so another thing. If my Go mental Shana. health is in a bad place, they get it. They they pick it fuck up. Fuck the shit. I'm done. I'm done being president of everything. Mm. I'm done. I'm done having setting. to manage my emotions and my mental health because it sets the tone to for the whole house. Put up a barrier and a, <laughs> yeah, it does. I'm so tired. Yeah, I'm so tired of that. But we're going to be talking about it nonetheless. I'm going to clean myself up a little bit. (laughs) But this week we'll be chatting about, yeah, our own mental health in relation to our children's mental health because that has become an epidemic in and of itself, which is probably going to make me cry even more when I think about it. So (laughs) stay tuned for Sam's breakdown on this episode of The Great Equalizer. Um, We are, however, looping in a couple of expert guests. So let me clean myself up and, yeah. We'll wait, wait for our guests and bring them in so that we can unpack this more. We have help. We, <laughs> we have, have help. <laughs> we interrupt Sam's breakdown to bring you a word from this episode's sponsor. If you or your business would like to get in touch with TGE to sponsor a future episode, please contact us on info at thegreatequalizer.co.za. Charlene, long-time listeners of The Great Equalizer will know that we are always on the lookout for Platforms that empower women. Even though we're mothers. With four young children between us. We believe that we're just so much more than moms. Which is why we've partnered with the University of Cape Town's online short course platform, Get Smarter, delivering online learning content from world-leading universities and institutions. Get Smarter's online certificate courses are designed not only to advance your career, but also to fit in with a busy lifestyle. Which ties in really nicely with our belief that we need to be prioritizing our needs as women and not just the needs of our children. Sam, we talk about this often, right? There's honestly no greater gift we can give our children than living our truest, most fulfilled lives. And I know it sounds crazy to some, but for me, that meant hitting the books. After I had Noah, who is now two, I was losing myself and my identity. And there was a lot I could have done to stimulate myself mentally. But going back to university felt like the right fit. And I haven't looked back. I promise I haven't looked back, despite the juggle 
honestly being very real. <laughs> okay, that said, full-scale university and going the whole hog with a two- or three-year degree, it might not be for every mom, which is why UCT's Get Smarter short course platform is perfect for women or who are mothers. Mothers and so much more. Having browsed some of these courses available on Get Smarter and what they would entail, it's safe to say that this platform offers something for everyone. Oh, there are so many. Okay, I spotted a course on mental health, mindfulness and self-care, a women's development program, public speaking, project management, property development and investment. There is literally something for anyone wanting to upskill themselves. Charlene, are there any that tickled your fancy? Well, if you consider the line of work that we're in and the fast-moving pace of digital and social media, the Digital Marketing Certificate course is definitely one that I can see myself doing. Mm, Okay. And look, you're a busy woman. What would that entail? Two hours a day of your time? Let's break down the time requirements. Yeah. Yes. So the course is self-paced, which I love. And you'll need to set aside probably about seven to ten hours a week. I mean, it's, it's tricky, but it's not impossible. Look, yeah. I don't know if you know this, but South Africans spend an average of nine hours, 22 minutes online a day um, or use, online or using the Internet. You know, so as busy as I am, I can't say I'm far off between work and socials. Which is another perfect reason why, out of all of these courses available on the platform, I'd be most keen on this one. Let's leverage those eyeballs to our advantage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So how do you know that the Get Smarter digital marketing course is for you? What does the course outline look like? Well, if you think about it, we're already doing so much in this line. Most moms who are content creators are. We're on social media. Many of us are documenting our lives and opinions on our platforms. And if we're doing so publicly with curated content, then a course like this will help you improve targeting and personalization. Uh So essentially, you're being taught to fine-tune your brand. Right. As we know, a strong identity and consistency is key to making an online profile work. We all need the tools to develop and implement a digital strategy to help us reach our goals. Whether it's improving your following and reach or hiking up those sales as a business. Yes. In the digital age, it's all about being visible. And in 10 short weeks, you can have the know-how to know that you're on track. So for best in class, online education with a people first, mom first, (laughs) with a mom first approach, browse Get Smarter short course selection now by visiting getsmarter.com forward slash universities forward slash University of Cape Town. But we'll link everyone up. Well, we're huddled here together on this side now. And and makeup back on and tears <laughs> back in, ready to come back out. Um, but we're huddled together here on this side because we have our very own in-studio guest. And now I'm catching myself because I never asked you how to pronounce your surname. So I'm going to go for it. Sven Rygrock. That was amazing. Yes. That was amazing. Yes. Good. On my first try. Yes. Wow. Sven Rygrock. Welcome to the show. Thank you. And thank you so much for having me. We are so excited to unpack this. Yes. Um, but before we get started, it's an important topic. Um, let's get our viewers to guess. Yes. Where they might know you from. You're gonna you're gonna look into that camera over there. Mm-hmm. You're gonna give us a blue still okay. for a few seconds. Are you ready? Are you ready? That's <coughs> your best one. In three, two, one, go. <laughs> 
Where do you know this man from, viewers? <laughs> That's a good one. That's a good like one. Okay, it. guys, for those of you who don't know, this dude right here is one of the most talented and dynamic performers that South Africa has to offer, having worked with several high-profile actors over the last few years, including John Cleese and Orlando Bloom. Sven, you're probably best known for your role as Rambo in the Spud series, which is where you cut your teeth, correct? Yes, that is correct. Okay. Yes. Okay. But your film while your film and television career mm-hmm. it is quite illustrious. Mm-hmm. There's a long list of things that you have been involved in and mm-hmm. continue to be involved in. Your theatre career has been equally mm-hmm. jam packed. Um among your many roles you've played Puck in Midsummer Night's Dream. Alan Strang in Equius, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um, which you won in a Lady Theatre Award for, for Best Actor. Yeah, this is quite the resume, sure. sir. Yes, most recently <laughs> you've played Ray Dooley mm-hmm. in How Now Brown, Cows, The Beauty Queen of Lenan, The Beauty Queen of Lenan, which was just on at yes. Santon's Theatre on the Square. Would you say that you're a thespian at heart? I think so. I would I would claim that as one of many titles. Yes. Many, many titles. So yes, it's not the highest ranking title that I have, <laughs> but it's definitely one of them. Yeah. And so versatile too. I had like obviously in preparation for this, I had a look at your work. I'm I'm really I'm a fan. Wow. I'm so in awe of your work and you're so young and so versatile mm. and you've you've done so much already at such such a young age. I suppose for professional actors who want to make it in this industry, you have to to do a lot, yes. you have to get a lot done to yeah. get that under your belt and to to, to get somewhere. But you're, I'm a fan. You're, oh, good. Yay. You're so <laughs> versatile. I love your work. Thank you. Really, thank you. Thank you so much. But you know what? That's not why we're here, is it? Mm-mm. It is not. Yes. Um, you. Besides all that, though, yeah. and the reason you're here is that you're a dad and a concerned parent. So mm-hmm. can you tell us, please, who calls you dad? So who calls me dad? Well, <laughs> currently the ones that are able to speak, they're two. Um, <laughs> the ones so that are I able to, to speak. <laughs> yeah, I have two. I have two boys. Um, Zachariah and Ezra My eldest is three. And Ezra's almost two. He'll be two in January. I love those names. And then... I have twins on the way. <laughs> so I'm going to have four kids under four. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, we've discussed this before and that mm-hmm. this nervous laughter yeah, that you hear like, emanating. <laughs> from, <laughs> um, so this is not news to you. How, mm. how is that feeling at the moment for you? How, the I'm impending. A, I'm a little bit more excited now, to be honest. Okay. I think So they are due in two weeks, okay. pretty much. Yes. And so literally it's around the corner anytime now. So I've had a good almost nine months to process that there are now two more yes, coming. Yes, yes. Um, but it is always met with great fear and trepidation mm. and well, anxiety. whether it's one and you're and you're only and you only have one, absolutely. Or uh, no matter how many kids you have, I think having a kid is met with trepidation. Yeah, absolutely. it's a lot. It's a big responsibility. Absolutely. It's massive. But the payoff is also there, and I think parents need to hear that. Yes. That it's not just (gasps) doom and gloom. Yes. That the gifting of a hug, of a smile. It's a a lot. Mom, mom, look. Mm. Look what I did. Dad, come play with me. We don't often do that. No, you you know what? I was just going to say, like Sam and I tend to, because we always keep it real here, and we find that as moms, and I don't know if you've ever experienced that, Swen, but Mm. when we are 
amongst moms and we're talking. Sam and I often felt like we didn't really fit in because everyone was always talking about how beautiful and blessed <laughs> and everything they were. And even yeah. though we did feel those yeah. feelings, we we couldn't say I hate this today. Yeah. <laughs> this really yeah, sucked. This hard. And I didn't like, like it. And I love my kid. And I hate being a parent sometimes. Mm. But you are right. We have become quite focused, Sam and I, on just keeping it real and saying how we feel. But I think what we don't give enough airtime is that we, our kids are great. We there is always nothing say, like it. Being a parent. We always say how much we love just our four kids. I love her two children. And I love her two children. They but like we my don't boys. like other kids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I I will say I love kids. I do. I I and Rhett, what my husband was saying to me the other day that kids like you, not our kids, but but kids generally <laughs> like you. Like, yeah, yeah. I do. I love all children, and you know what? I think the innocence of and the honesty that children bring, um, and also the fact I I quite enjoy that they just they use the scope that they have to sometimes just be dicks <laughs> and leverage that. You know, yeah, <laughs> it, yeah. it, it's. It's aggravating when it's your own, yeah. but when I see someone else's kid misbehaving in public, I'm just like, that's yeah. so funny. Yeah. That's, that's great. I know how that feels. Yeah. Good luck to you. Oh yes. yeah. I don't know, guys. I've got a perfectionism complex. So when I see things going awry, it stresses me out. Yeah. We've had like several kids' parties in a row. And my tension, I, I never rested on the weekends because it was it was like a trauma yeah. response. I was so like, nothing is in order. Can you stop running around? <laughs> yeah. what is I need organization. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. it freaks me out. So, But we're going to get into that. We're yes. going to get into what I bring mm-hmm. into parenting based on my own. Yes. Not inadequacies, but I don't know. What would you say? Because you were a life coach. Mm-hmm. And my life coach would say... I have a life coach, a therapist, and um, she would say the both and, you know, these things can exist. These opposing things can exist at the same time, Mm -hmm. which is a lot of what we're going to be talking about Mm -hmm. today. Tell us more about the... How you, you how do you slot it in firstly? Because you are Mm. so busy with your work as an actor and Mm. a dad, and you also do this other thing. Mm-hmm. You know, would, is it your side hustle? Is it your main? What would you is say? Is it your passion? Is it just? It's definitely a passion. Um, I think. Look, everyone and anyone can be a life coach. I mean, technically, you could slap a label on and be like, "I'm a life coach. I'm a this. I'm a this." And we are quite used to coaches. You know, we 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 have a voice coach, we have a singing coach, we got a hockey coach, you got a sports coach, an academic coach. But a lot of parents stop at, but. but What about my child? Why not have a mentor? And this is a big word today. Mm. Why not have a mentor to help your child through life? Mm -hmm. You as a parent, and this is a big thing with regards to community, we are not supposed to live in isolation. No man is an island. Mm. It takes a village. Mm -hmm. You know, that that cliched saying, but it is true. It does, but where is it, Sven? Where is the the village? village? Where is the village? (laughs) Now, Now, this is a great question to come to because... Why I started life coaching was really through my talks. So I give talks and my target market is teenagers. Okay. So I'm looking at 13 to like 19 years old, so adolescents. So I've been giving these talks for close to 10 years now. And on an array of subjects from bullying to self-esteem to body image issues to particularly talking to men, becoming men of honor uh-huh. um, okay. with, with regards to pornography. Mm. You know, And what does it mean to treat a woman? What does that look like in today's society with this thing that we have mm. online 
all the time. Mm. But what would happen is that the talk is the talk is the talk. It's afterwards that I was exposed to great vulnerability where kids would come to me privately, one-on-one. And there the stories would come. Mm. And 10 years is a, a quite a span from going to see like, you know, ah, oh, DJ hit me in the head at the, you know, at the rugby field. And that was bullying. Now it is happening online in instant time. It's mm. continuous. And people so get cancelled. And it's, you so, can't yeah. escape it. And it comes with you and it's in a room. And kids are living these lives of quiet desperation. And they are not speaking. They have no voice. Mm. They have psychologists. Don't get me wrong. Majority of the kids that I speak to in affluent areas have psychologists. And when I ask them the question, have you brought this to your psychologist? The answer pretty much always, and I'm talking a good 84% of the time, no. Okay. So they need someone to listen. So is that the fear of it being repeated to their parents or the psychologist doesn't feel like a safe space what would you say that is i think it is this this notion that there is someone sitting there i mean the the stereo i'm being very generalistic here and the stereotypical of sitting with a clipboard going what is wrong yeah yeah tell me what's wrong Mm. as opposed to life coach let me hear your story. What's mm. happening? With What's you? going on with you? Yes. How's mm. your heart today? I suppose it's a level of relatability. Absolutely. Then. Yes. Absolutely. So they have all these things. I'm not things, being psychoanalyzed. There we go. I'm sharing. I'm sharing. Mm. I'm sharing. And the thing is, I'm, I'm being not, understood. Aha. So I'm coming on board with you mm. and we're going on a journey mm. together as opposed to, ooh, you're on this side of the fence. I'm on this side of the fence. How do I get you to here? To here. Uh-huh. I love that because we, our tagline is hashtag no judges. Ah, yes. You know, we, and and we're very open about mistakes that we make or Mm. feelings we might have. And it's like, no judges, guys, Mm. this is, Mm. we're all kind of feeling our way through this parenting thing. But it's equally true for our children Mm. Mm -hmm. that no judgment. And when you put that person at the other end of the, you know, the table and there's this division and there's this hierarchy of power, Mm. um, the judgment does seep in even if that professional mm. doesn't seem non-judgmental. And I say this being not a parent of, of teens, but mm-hmm. you've, got, you've got the experience there. Mm-hmm. Would you say that it is like a, a judge, they fear judgment or they fear that, that hierarchy or they, they don't feel comfortable to be vulnerable where there's a kind of power dynamic at play? Definitely. But Sam, to be honest, I think that there are, there's an array of things going on. Mm. So again, why I'm so excited to speak to you is that I'm getting I'm getting the kids in their teens mm. and I've currently got young ones. Yeah. So now it's really asking the question, how do I get our kids, our kids who mm. are young, who are going to become into you know into adolescence, how do we get them on board and equip them with the with the right tools to be able to survive? And that's really how we feel. We we, we talk about that daily. Because we also go. have have young kids and we're also gonna be crossing that bridge. But where does that divide Come, come from. In. Where does it come from? Yeah. So to answer your question, hierarchy, power, fear of authority is a big thing. Kids mm. nowadays would buck at authority. You know, I want to do my own thing. Freedom, freedom, like, you know, woke culture, do whatever I want in my own terms without consequence. With that as well is they don't feel safe. Where is safe? Mm. Home is not safe anymore. 
Mm. My personal body is not safe anymore. I don't feel comfortable in my body and myself and my self-image. Online, not mm-hmm. a chance. Not even we feel safe online. No, so we're just talking is, about that. Where is home for them? Mm. Where do you get to come home to and feel held and loved and known and heard? Mm. Where? So, um, for me... I really wanted to get stuck into this discussion because I have noticed mm-hmm. that teen suicide is on the up. A lot more of our teens and young people are taking their own lives. It is concerning. It's been in the news. It's something that's been become more and more prevalent. And I fear for my own children. My child is going to be six, my eldest. And just the other day, I was about to give... I was about to conduct an interview with someone for my my job and she had to cancel at the last minute because someone in her church, a young girl who was 10, took her own life. And I thought, 10, 10, that is four years from, from where my child is and it petrifies me. And as parents... We need to be talking about this, which is why we're talking about it now. Mm. We have, uh, we are tenth on, we rank tenth in the world, South Africa, um, mm. in terms of suicides, people taking their own lives. Um, uh, the ratio is twenty three and a half deaths per hundred thousand, which is twenty three and a half deaths too much for me. Hundred percent. And the the biggest kind of age gap in that is fourteen to twenty five. Mm-hmm. This is concerning. It mm-hmm. is disturbing uh, me. And when I, when I start to dig, a lot of parents immediately blame technology. I'm not discounting technology. Mm-hmm. But I feel that there is so much more to it. I did, however, speak to a psychologist, a counseling psychologist here in Joburg. Her name is Dr. Ursula Froschauer. She um, practices in the east of Joburg. She, and she has an in-depth understanding of teen suicides in particular, having worked as a psychologist um, at a school in Joburg. And there was a, a high-profile suicide, um, high-profile just because it got a lot of media attention at the time. A young learner, she was 14, took her own life, and Ursula managed the after-effects of that suicide um, in the school community and provided support for the teens in the school and the teachers and the parents. So in terms of technology, you brought up our cell phones and mm-hmm. being our connectedness and that. And I don't discount it, but we can't get away from it. It's my work. Literally, my work mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. to be online and to be writing and to be, you know, mm-hmm. we all rely on social media and it, it's, it doesn't feel like it makes sense to Just not have can our can it kid- altogether, yeah. yes. Mm-hmm. And also, if you think about programming and kids like writing code or learning to read code, and I mean, technology is the future. And also, I'm just going to be honest and say that I like social media. Like, it's it's addictive and you mm-hmm. binge, but it's entertainment. Mm-hmm. And and so... We all I'm, share memes and TikToks. Yes, and I'm, not, I'm not prepared to just get rid of it altogether. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. And in parenting, I just, yeah, the balance, I think. So I think it's important to note that, again, we're speaking as adults, mm. okay? What does this mean as adults? It means that, well, quite literally in our biology, our prefrontal cortex has been developed substantially, which means our reasoning, our capacity to reason has been developed. Mm-hmm. Right now, in terms of teenagers, you know, we go like, oh, yeah, social media, and, and very easily it can become the scapegoat. But I would, I would hinge quite a lot on it. It is, and, okay. it is and a this thing. And is, this is why. 
Okay. We say like, you know, we need to, we can't go back to the dark ages. Don't take away the phone, but provide them with the tools to mm -hmm. be able to use it effectively. And I go, that's great, mm -hmm. great idea. Which comes first, the tool or the wisdom to be able to use the tool? So let's me put it into uh, context. Right. I have a three-year-old, five, Five. five and two. Five and two. Mm -hmm. Okay, so, so let's call your five-year-old and your seven-year-old. They come in. And I go, guys, this is a chainsaw. Here you go. Enjoy. Just press that button. <laughs> <laughs> what would you do as a parent? Would you freak out? Mm. Would you go like, this is lacquer, this is true. <laughs> no, no, I mean, you're talking to us here. We're like, <laughs> we'd freak out, obviously. Freak out, we'd freak out. Okay. Helicopter parenting, let me hold it for you. Yeah. Careful. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I want you to have this experience, but I also don't want you to cut your <laughs> bloody arm things. off. Yeah. So what if, what if we as parents regained our authority and said, a chainsaw's pretty cool. And you can do a lot of good with a chainsaw. A lot of bad can happen, a lot mm -hmm. of mistakes, but it's a good tool. Let's first teach you about a chainsaw. Let's go online, look at chainsaws, look at pictures of chainsaws as a seven-year-old, all appropriate according to the age. And as they grow in maturity, you grow in trust. So knowledge here is what you're telling us so is the power. Is okay. However, as a parent, what happens? I mean, nowadays, what, what age do you get a phone? I don't know because yeah, I've been wondering, when do I get when, my kid yeah. a phone? And when I imagine the question will rise when the kids at school have phones mm. ah, and they come home and they're ah. like, but so-and-so mm. has a phone. Now, pause on that. Great, great. Who's in charge of making that decision? Are you I telling, am. aha, you are not the kids in yes. your child's So brain. sorry that so-and-so has a phone. Aha. That's great for them. Aha. We do things differently. And we had spoken about this yes. in our last episode. It was called Other People's Kids. And we just like, parenting was so easy until so other people's uh, kids other people's interfere kids. with our plans. Yeah. Okay, so now we, oh, there's so many things. To, <laughs> yes, to there's a lot here. to so talk about. I just want to finish with that, which is with a chainsaw analogy to parents out there wondering that same question. I would always advise, teach them first. Teach them morals, teach them values, teach them things like self-control, mm. teach them to be able to be trustworthy so that they are responsible to be able, because what you are handing them is not just a phone. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You are handing him or her the keys to all knowledge, good and bad. Yes. If they are not prepared or equipped, then the responsibility and the onus of danger and hurt is on us. Mm. Not them. Because they're exposed. They're exposed. And they, it, they can't control what other people do in that sphere. Exactly. exactly. So, guys, I asked Dr. Ursula Froschauer mm -hmm. what she thinks about that idea of technology being necessarily good or necessarily bad. Mm -hmm. And this is what she had to say. A way for these teams to connect with other people that are not as readily available in their in-person communities. So they are, they are able to find people similar to them, like them. And that's what we look for in our communities. We look for people that are like us. So it's really opening huge possibilities in terms of connection with others. So there we have a huge positive of social media, of devices, screens, technology that we can't discount. And it's in this situation, it's not about throwing the baby out with bathwater. It's about managing, like you said, 
how do we how do we navigate in a healthy way the use of devices so that might mean that we have that we consciously have time away from screens so we don't take phones into the bedroom as an example or while we have dinner all the phones go into a bowl or mm. a shoebox and they get put away so and then we have our dinner time for 30 minutes and after that everyone can get their devices back but that dinner can really be a time of connecting that it's not parents on their phones or children on their phones that it can be a, a moment of eye-to-eye contact and finding out how is the other person doing, what's happening, how, how did things go at school, um, to connect as a family. Thanks, Ty. So I think a lot of what she says has like synergy with what, mm. what you're saying. Mm. There, it, it happens, um, mm-hmm. but we also need to, as parents, put our phones away. Mm-hmm. This is a lot easier, by the way. Yes. You have no devices and no screens with younger kids. But I'm not sure how it would, is going to be with teenagers. teenagers. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you've got experience here with teenagers. And so in my mind, I've got this idea of if I just, while my children are at the age that they are now, I um, encourage personal face-to-face connection, like mm-hmm. the psychologist suggests, and show them that that connection with family and that time with family is enjoyable to – it offers them – a different level of enjoyment to the uh, the engagement with the devices. And it's this wonderful theory of if I can show them the best of both worlds, then they will choose the balance eventually. But now I have to be realistic because you become a teenager and you're like, you feel like you have nothing in common with your parents or the rest of your family. Mm. And you're like, mm. this is not my jam. Mm-hmm. I, I used to play Rummy Cup on a Saturday afternoon. That was great fun, but mm-hmm. I'm not keen anymore, mm-hmm. mom. Mm-hmm. So ooh, I don't know. Do you have advice, Jeff? Like, how do we, what do we do when we're laying the foundation? I think the foundation comes back to, like, like I said, is, is owning your parental authority, which means your bar should never be what is normal. Is it normal to be on Instagram nowadays? Yes. Is it normal to have a phone by the age of nine? Yes. That's not the question that we should be asking. The question we should be asking is, is it good? Okay. Is it good to be around family? Mm. Yes. Will you learn other things? Yes. Will they dislike it as teenagers? Absolutely. Yes. yes. They do not want to spend time with Auntie Gertrude, you know. He's like, hello, my darling. I'll remember you. Will you? Uh, don't touch me, Granny. I make you when okay. you're this little. Yes. Absolutely. So what we have to do, and this is where, where I think um, it can be a bit uh, risque, what I'm about to say, which is parents need to understand that they are not their children's friend. No, that's 100%. Yes, please. So, parents. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Look, Elijah told me the other day, I'm his best friend. I did not want to pop that bubble. But (laughs) I'll take it from the little ones. But yes, Yes. 100%. But bringing that back, it means that do you have stuff in your job currently, which you both love, I can see that you're passionate about this, that you really dislike doing? Yes. Oh, yeah. So do I. With an acting. Yeah. 
Okay. I know broccoli is not the most delicious thing unless it's covered in white sauce and cheese. <laughs> but I got to yes. eat it for my body. You got to eat it for your body. So you as the parent know what is best for your child, mm. which means taking ownership and authority and saying, honey, boo-boo. We're going to Auntie Gertrude today. Yes. Put that phone away. It's not coming with. It might not be as much fun as you imagine. But I don't care. Yes. Okay. Mm. Because I have the authority to want what is best for you. I have the knowledge to also know what is best for you. It is also my job and as your parent job. to ensure that you are a well-rounded individual. There we go. And so... There you got to go. push through the hard times. Guys, though, you know what was really interesting for me in my discussion with Ursula? So we're not, we, we don't have the full context of my interview here. And mm-hmm. I'm going to load it, actually, for our viewers and listeners as a bonus episode so oh, that nice. everybody can have access to that, to, full to that full discussion. We will do that. The insight that I got from her is a lot of her clients who are teens are also feeling like their parents are disengaged. And I... I'm guilty of this. Oh, the yes. more work pressures I have, the more stressed out my husband and I both are, the more we are locked into our phones. You guys have seen that meme where it almost looks like you're, you know, the, the parents is holding the phone and it looks like your whole brain is being sucked, sucked into, into it. it. <laughs> I see it with me and my husband. Mm-hmm. Even, you know, and it's often that, that meme is like you're playing blocks with your kids or, or whatnot and you're sitting there, but the phone's out. Your kids pick up on that. And I feel like it does... I don't have teens, as I say, but what what Ursula told me was a lot of teens are feeling like their parents are disinterested Mm -hmm. and disengaged. And that's not to guilt trip parents Mm -hmm. of teenagers right now, Mm -hmm. but I'm seeing I am guilty of Mm -hmm. it. So I am going to take ownership of that and really try and be better at that. Yeah, that is a challenge for me right now is to be more engaged. Mm, Absolutely. I think also because we're in a we live in a day and age not to justify our our shortcomings here, but I just also don't because we're a no judges environment. I want our parent listeners mm. to understand that we get it. We're guilty of it too, and that's why we're having this discussion because we wanna we wanna master it a little mm. bit better. And mm-hmm. so I think in today's day and age, it's also so much harder because we live in a culture where where more people are working from home or people own their own businesses, and there's not a nine to five. There isn't a, and even if you do work a corporate job that's nine to five, there's no after, boundaries. There are no boundaries because you've got emails on your phone. You've and so it's harder to set those boundaries. And so when we're talking about our own mental health, which is a point that we're going to be discussing, Mm -hmm. for parents, for our own mental health, force yourself to disengage. I am really guilty of it. And I I try and do better, but I haven't mastered it yet. I'm very cognizant of it. Absolutely. And and look, you're not alone. I mean, I'll raise my hand there too. But I think when we speak about these things, it's often very general. Like we, we very easily, we know that it happens. We go, we must be better. But then the next question that is often not answered is how? Mm. How do we be better? And I think as parents, we sometimes can club together. Here's where, you, where you're asking, like, where is this community? Is actually getting creative. You guys are close, mm. very close. It means requiring your creative brain, brains to come together and go like, what could we do? Why don't you guys set yourself a challenge? 30-day challenge. That would be lucky. That would be fun. I'd love to see something like that. But make it practical. This is where people go wrong. They go, I must disengage. Mm. And that's where the conversation ends. How? How in a world, as you've described, where there are no boundaries, where emails come in at 10, and da, 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 why not just start with 
30 minutes a day. Mm. When your kids are home after school and you are at home with, and it's often, like you said, it's your business environment. You say, right, for these 30 minutes and you put the timer on, mm. I'm going to be with them. Mm. Try 30 minutes, mm. move it to an hour. Try, like you said, what happened to dinner conversation? Yes. You know what I wanted to say on that? I find dinner, and I'm not I'm not discounting that, I find dinner a particularly tricky time, mm-hmm. and I have actually spoken with my kids' teachers about this and have moved that. The pressure's off dinner. Mm-hmm. They are actually on their devices often mm-hmm. during dinner. Yeah. Mm-hmm. After that is when we, but I, I think the, the for me it's about intention, yeah, and that's mm-hmm. not going to be a, a rule for everyone, for everyone for sure. all the time. Um, that is our now and mm. our next year, January, February, March might, might be very different. different. Yes. Might look different depending on where we're at. So there are times that I can feel like the energy from my child is very chatty and whatnot. And if it goes bleeds into dinner time, then I latch onto that. Mm. And I, leverage but it's also, that, yes. I leverage that. Yeah. Mm. Sometimes he wants nothing to do with me and he's very, he's at school for a long time. He's at aftercare. And he's very stimulated and needs some alone time. Mm-hmm. And I've noticed how it calms him down mm-hmm. to just be on his device even for an hour. After that, during bath time is when we have our connection. Mm-hmm. And then we read together is when we have our connection. So we harp on dinner time, I think, a lot mm-hmm. as professionals and as parents. Mm-hmm. No, dinner time, no devices, da, 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 which there is definitely place for. And I mm-hmm. think between me and my husband, at least, no phones at dinner. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are... There are times that it it suits me and it suits my child to to be on his device. He at least eats and he doesn't mm-hmm. nag or whine or lose. He's totally dysregulated. Mm-hmm. When I force him to eat dinner, and he actually doesn't want to be around people. Yeah. But I've been very sorry. I've been very intentional about okay. If you are going to be on your device during dinner at bath time, is when we're going to connect, and. That's when he comes with the stories of things mm. that upset him during mm. the day. Yes, yes. So I think by the same token, if we're going to grow with our kids in this, as they get older, maybe take note of where they are dysregulated. Take note of where there is opportunity for connection. That that means, and I know this with Elijah, do not ask him how his day at school was <laughs> when he gets into the car. Oh, yes. mm. nice. I'm not going to get the answer. I'm going to yeah. get it. After story time, when we've cuddled, right before he falls asleep. But I think that, like, just pointing on that, there's two, there's two, there's two things about that. With what you said, is look at at what you, the word that you've used, intentionality. Mm. Most parents are not intentional about what it is that they're doing. They let life live them. What, whatever happens today, it work tomorrow. Maybe I'll do this. Maybe. But you're saying like, guys, dinners doesn't work for us for now. Mm. This works for us But yeah. I'm going to revisit It means that you're, you're consciously thinking of Cool, right now This is the phase of life that we're in That's okay I've accepted that But I still desire this So mm. therefore I find I will carve space And I will carve space yes. And I think why Just to just Well, to go back a little bit of, About why, why dinner You're right It doesn't work for everyone But the important thing is this Meal time Generally speaking Is when the whole family Gets mm. together if your husband and you and all kids are in the bathroom whilst bathing, lacquer. Right now we are. Yeah. Boom. Right now Fantastic. we are. Fantastic. Yeah. But the reality is, let's be honest, That's partners, we split jobs. We go, yeah. right, you do the dishes, I'll do the kids. You do the this, I'll start the cooking. You do yes. that. And you, 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 know, you, you double up and you hanker down. 
But mealtime is where they get to see Everybody mom, to sit and eat a meal. dad, mm. brother, mm. sister sharing together. Mm. So it, it, I, I'm less interested about what the activity is. I'm more interested that everyone is it's joining present. in. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I want to um, move on mm. to something that I think this is why I harp on less about the technology. I think technology is a, a, because I'm imposing sort of my own anxieties onto mm-hmm onto my kids and and this experience. So I want to, firstly on the technology thing, just to round that out, we are the first generation of parents to be navigating social media. Mm. Yeah, That I don't think we think about enough. We need to give ourselves grace in all of that and remember we are learning as well. This is new for all of us, yeah. Mm -hmm. What was not new for me, I feel, um, in growing up was the pressure to excel and that is something I don't want to impose on my kids. So I'm already going bullshit with a lot of you about saying technology is the only problem. Mm-hmm. It mm-hmm. is a problem. No, it, yeah. Cyberbullying, which we're also going to be talking about. So stay tuned. We're talking about a lot of things, but stay tuned to, to our listeners and our viewers. We are going to be talking about cyberbullying. But it's not only for me about technology. For me, it is as well about the pressure to excel from the pressure from parents and the pressure from schools. And for me, it was pressure I imposed on myself when I was growing up mm-hmm. to excel. So I don't know how you guys feel about that. Are you, um, do you, in your dealings with, with teenagers, do you feel like they're, they need, they're stretched thin? Yes, definitely. I think there is a, there's, do you know what it is? The, pool is far smaller so the need to excel is far greater what do you mean the pool is far smaller? so to get into university there's x amount of spots okay there's only x amount of jobs as dentistry or doctors Mm. okay even as a doctor general practitioner is not going to cut anymore you need to specialize there's an extra three years of your life so we're looking at a total of seven to eight years of your life do you see the the amount Mm. of work that now is required in order to do something is far greater. And if you think about the, the, the number of professions or, or mm-hmm. uh, lines of work that you mm-hmm. can feasibly go into that actually will, in five or ten years' time, still be relevant or still be making money, or there's a, there's a lot to consider. Absolutely. The, the absolutely. spectrum of what you can become one day is not – you can become anything you want. Mm-hmm. Is that going to pay the bills? Is that going to provide for your family for mm-hmm. as long as you need it to? That's become significantly m- – Smaller. Absolutely. And I think with that is this threefold pressure wheel, which you've discussed, which is pressure from home, pressure from the institutions, whether that is, you know, your school or your sports coach or whatever. And then also personal pressure Mm. that we have placed on ourselves in incredibly high expectation. And what I'm finding within the teenagers that I, I deal with is this deep desire to find an identity. Who am I? Mm. Where do I belong? So, if I am not in the A team, rugby, and I get kicked out and I'm C, whatever, who am I? What does that if say I do about not, me? What does that say about me? If I'm not hitting all my A's and all my sub- subjects, winning Duck Scholar and Super Popular and got like incredible amount of followers, who am I? What am I? So, we have this desire to be special. Mm. You know, this magical word, I'm special. I want to be a star. I want to. But what the deep desire is, I want to be seen. It's to be seen. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. But now this is where the myth comes in. 
don't be seen for a label. Mm. Parents, hello, wake up. Your child is not there to validate you. Mm. They are not there to make you feel good about you or for They're you not a reflection of you. Yeah. There you go. He's head boy TV, and I'm super. It's great to be proud in your kids. Absolutely. And encourage them because my word, do our kids need encouragement, encouragement. this day. But do not fulfill your fantasy and your dream and expect your child to be this protege that you were not. Mm. That is not why we have children. They are their own individual. And your job as a parent is to guide them through life and to allow them to become independent from you. Not attached. Yes. Not like, without mom, I can't do my oral. Mm-hmm. Without mom. And guys, I was, oh my word, I'm embarrassed. Even. <laughs> I, I was a very good manipulator as a, as a kid, okay? <laughs> Went to a nice school. Parents put a lot of money into it. So again, I'm lazy. By nature, you and I, we know we'll take the path of least resistance. That's our human nature. Fallen as it is. Come on, Afrikaans oral. Have you done your oral, Sven? Yeah. Can I? And my mom would freak out. Like, are you kidding me? And before you know it, who's doing my work? Mm. Mom. Who's doing my project? Mom or dad. Mm. And so, and this builds into something else with regards to pressure, is we don't allow our children to fail. Yes. Yes. Mom, mom, uh, yeah, listen, I got a cricket match and I totally forgot my sports bag. Can you please bring it? Yeah, mom, baby, sure, no problem. I'm coming. Oh my gosh, yes. Uh, PE clothes. Uh, I don't have lunch. And who comes to the rescue? What's going to happen if you do not discipline your child or you go, honey, baby, I'm really sorry that you don't have. This is most unfortunate. (laughs) Maybe plan better. (laughs) Love you. It's a lot easier said than done. But as a mom, you feel like, what does that say about me as a mother? A mom is supposed to nurture and save. And moms are the containers. My therapist always calls moms, you're the child's container. You contain all of their emotions and all of their things in this container. And for a child to grow into an independent individual, they need to feel like they are, they, they have had a safety net. And that's, but I hear what you're saying because mm-hmm. the disconnect comes from at which point do you l- cut that cord a little bit, mm-hmm. let go of it a little bit, because this is no longer a reflection of me as a parent. Mm-hmm. I've given you the tools. You understand the parameters of what is required of you. And I'm going through that now with Joshua because he's going to grade one. And now I'm having to move from that babying phase of a Plus, also, you feel needed as a mom as much as it drives me nuts oftentimes yeah. Yeah. because I'm like, I just can't do everything anymore. Well, because for how many years has that been a large part of our identity? He's uh-huh. needing me a lot less mm-hmm. and he's becoming more independent when it suits him. And then you feel like it's nice to feel needed, even though some days you wish you didn't have so much responsibility. And so you're, I, I, I hear what you're saying. I'm feeling it and I'm battling to... To straddle both those worlds at the moment. Absolutely. Because you want to be their savior and you just want to protect them from everything that's hard and difficult. Absolutely. And it's often harder for me 
but to watch them go through something difficult than what it is for them. They, they're resilient. They'll be sad about it and they'll move on. And a long time afterwards, mm. I'm still like, that is, I know. Mm-hmm. I heard that. I heard for you that you had to go through that, you know? Mm-hmm. That's hard. But, but you see, again, and what I said to them, for, for you, is the exact same thing is like, own that. You know that it's there. You know that, you, like you said, it, I, I like to be needed. As irri- like sometimes it drives me up the wall, but at the end of the day, I feel validated. So is Good. this a me thing? Is this a me emotion? Or is this a, is is this this, a me emotion? How is this helping him? How is this helping him? Mm. That is the two questions that we have to ask. And good, good. I don't mind. Sometimes we, and we're always going to sometimes do this, which is come in and save the day, mm. but then own it. Say, oh, shucks, I did that totally because I wanted to feel mm. needed. But let's go to your box analogy of, of your container, which I think is such a great thing. And I use this often with, with regards to discipline. I personally see discipline as a great act of love. People now, when they hear the word discipline, they go, mm, and again, we'll lost my its child, meaning, lost its meaning, yeah. all of And I go, cool, let's use your container. You as the parent are given such a great opportunity now. Because if he doesn't get his cricket kit, what's the worst that could happen? He's going to, his coach, he might get into trouble with his coach. He might feel like a tool because his mates are making fun of him. He, the ball hits him on the shin or even worse, yeah. in the crotch. <laughs> so, yeah. So, yeah. Okay. okay. But it's not death. He's not going to die. He's not going to no. die. But he would have learned something. Yes. Mm. If you do not, as parents, discipline your child, the world will. The Mm. correctional officer, the judge, the jail does not care what happened. They don't care. They will look at the crime, they will look at the result, and they will judge accordingly. Mm. Our job is to give them a safe space in which they can fail to make mistakes. So, guys, I really want to slot in here with an anecdote. Okay, <laughs> and something that I used because it was such a lesson for me, and I was like, "Yes, okay, yes, yes, yes." This is what I want for my child. On Fridays at the school, they get ice cream or jelly. Okay, and that was one bonding moment for me. Every Friday when I pick him up from school, I go, "What was today? Ice cream or jelly?" And he goes, "Mom, ice cream." Last year I picked him up. Um, actually, it was it might have been the year before last. I. I don't know. The years are blurring. But my, um, I had a newborn baby in the house. Uh, none of us were sleeping very well, including Elijah. So it got to Friday. And when he is overstimulated and maxed out, he switches off. A lot like his dad. It's almost like, are you not listening? Like You've seen his, it, yeah, right? He gets this like blank mm-hmm. look on his face. He's looking at you, but nothing's going in. He hears everything. Yeah. Yeah. He's processing everything. But he does not want to interact with you. Mm. Um, And he did that with his teacher on ice cream day. And she said to him, Elijah, you need to help your friends pack up. Or um, she, she would have a lot of directives for him. And I'm not making excuses for him, but she did not know that he was maxed out, was not getting a lot of sleep. And by the same token, you need to... Help your friends clean up and do what your teacher your tells you. Your responsibilities are your responsibilities, <laughs> regardless of what's it's happening. It's not that huh. difficult being a four-year-old, right? <laughs> but this poor guy, he got in the car, and I said, "What was today? Ice cream or or yeah. jelly?" And he started getting super nervous, and he started saying, "Mommy, you know what? I just I don't know. I was very naughty, and I don't know what I did. And teacher just didn't give me ice cream, and I 
they don't typically at the school they don't typically use um, rewards yeah. the reward system for behavior on that day and the teacher had said to me she just had reached her wit's end and she had said Elijah if you don't do this you're not going to get ice cream which normally works with the kids with him it didn't that day mm-hmm. and he doesn't know he didn't know at the time what he did wrong which is what got me but it was such a lesson for me and I'm really taking long to tell the story but bear with me so Initially, I did get angry. I was like, there must be something. No, why would you not get ice cream? She wouldn't give you ice cream. You are four, you know? And I followed up with a teacher, and eventually she phoned me, and she said, Sam, you know what? I had to follow through. He wasn't listening. Um, and I didn't know, because when I picked him up, I said, shame, he's a bit tuned out. He's a bit zoned out at the moment. We haven't gotten a lot of sleep. And she felt so bad, and I was like, it's fine. He, everybody has bad days, mm-hmm. which is what I also told Elijah. Right, so then we, I'm on the phone, I get the full story from his teacher. I understand that he was, the ice cream, he was not given ice cream. He was the only one in the class not given ice cream. And he didn't understand what he did wrong. Mm. Um, but he knows that he was naughty. And that, which is also not a word that we like to use. Mm. And uh, there was a lot of confusion. And I was like, the lesson for me here is how much importance, doesn't matter whether you actually were naughty or not or very intentionally did something that was dickhead to another kid, or mm. he did not, it turns out. It turns out he was just properly zoned out, mm-hmm. and he needs the self-knowledge that at times he does that, like my husband knows that he does that, mm-hmm. even as an adult. Um, what's important for me is, Elijah, do you know sometimes also teacher might get irritated with you, and that's okay. And maybe you intentionally do something and you're naughty and you don't get ice cream. And maybe teacher gets irritated with you for doing nothing and you don't get ice cream. What does that say about you as a person? Mm-hmm. Does it change who you are? Mm-hmm. The answer is no. Mm-hmm. That is, for me, the biggest lesson in, in parenting in general. Does Do your marks, does whether your teacher likes you, does whether that friend likes you, Does what gives you your self-worth? Yes. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it's whether you actually were intentionally misbehaving or have no idea what you did. The fact it broke my heart when he was like, I was naughty. I don't know what I did. He was panicking. And I was like, do not panic because this clown over here will love you Mm -hmm. regardless of any action. You've got my support and my love through everything. Mm-hmm. No matter who you are, and hopefully that also gives him the self worth to then feel that way about himself. Mm-hmm. And uh, Elijah, Charlene, and I say this to each other often. We might say some things to each other that maybe rub each other the wrong way, but we remember our intention. Would I ever intentionally go yes. out, set out to hurt her? No. And and same and thing. Versa, yeah. Mm-hmm. So we know and give each other that love, mm-hmm. and we have that worth in each other, but also in ourselves. Was shit? I feel so bad for cutting off that person in traffic did i do it on purpose no mm-hmm. is that me no mm-hmm. you know i think so and it's it's very up in the air like hazy for me because i'm still learning this but it's that self-worth and that belief in yourself that i want to instill in my child it's got nothing to do with your marks what you get at school it's got nothing to do with how you excel at sports it's got nothing to do with remembering your cricket kit on the day mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. and and if you make that mistake that it does not define you Mm-hmm. It does not define who you are. And yes, it might make your life a little bit more difficult. But I read something online or I saw a video. I, I think I read it about a 
kindergarten teacher who every time every time a child made a mistake they they got um, alerted to the fact of the the consequences of their actions and the situation got handled but each child then got given an eraser with that it said something along the lines of congratulations you get another try mm. and so the idea is that you cannot erase your mistakes but the 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 concept is that you you have another opportunity to try again because now next time you know how not to do things mm. and mm. and that's stuck for me and it, it it relates to what you're saying now we need to encourage our children mistakes are great mistakes are and i i did a a six week uh uh conscious parenting um, workshop, which I originally called bullshit on. I was like, what is this? What is this? Uh, we will not talk through our emotions. Gentle now parenting. I, Come I understand on. that you're upset, my boy, but mm-hmm. I wasn't going to pander to that. And it turned out to not be that at all. It was what you said about earlier in our conversation about we're intentional with what we do. We're intentional with our decisions around our family. Mm-hmm. And we can... We can be gentle with our children's emotions, but still not mollycoddle them and mm-hmm. allow them the opportunity to make mistakes. Because if you make a mistake, if people only ever tell you to, no, 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 that's not how we do it. That's not how we do it. That's not how we do it. But then how do we do it? And what happens if we don't do it this way? And I just put my toe in the water and I try, yeah. you know, yeah. I wouldn't encourage that with, for example, drug abuse, but I mean, <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you know, yeah. try things, try things and, and test them because you don't know if you don't try. So let's make a mistake or two mm. and mm. see how it goes in a, in a controlled safe space so that yes. you don't get to the point where you're like, Oh, let's try this heroin and see mm. where it takes us. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, kind of thing. <laughs> absolutely. And I think speaking to what your your story that you shared with us is, um, you you provided him a trampoline of love to be able to bounce back because he knew that there was something firm underneath his feet. Nowadays, kids are spoiled for choice that they have no trampoline of which to bounce from. Firstly, what I'm witnessing: the home environment is split apart. Okay, there is no contact time, intentional time. Like I said earlier on in this podcast, where is safe for them? Mm. Where is the opportunity to bounce back? And this expectation that everything needs to be perfect the first time. Mm. If I do not get into the 18 the first time, done. Mm. If I do not find friends at the first school, I'm done. And what I'm starting to see is a lack of perseverance in our children and a lack of resilience and grit. So what happens? I can't get through the day. No, I immediately blame it on my pills. My pills are off. I've got anxiety. I blame the pill. Can't get through the day. I'm changing school. Changing Mm -hmm. school. It's going to be better there. Mm -hmm. And we're running. We're running. Change my identity. Change my gender. Change my thoughts. Change my mood. Change my feelings. Change, 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 change. Never, ever tackle the, hang on a minute. I've got to get through this. Mm -hmm. We all have moments in our life that are hard. Yes. We all have things in our job that we don't like to do. Yes. Imagine if you and I just go out, actually, stuff this podcast. Let's yeah. just, uh, we've got a studio. Let's that start recording. That was me this morning, that guys. That was a dick. We yeah. are not we are never that. doing this again. That, that, never that was me this morning. I say to my husband, I don't have enough energy to get through today. And Doesn't. look at you. Look at you here. I got here through you it, are, guys. exuberant, and you, you're sharing <laughs> your stories. And, and that, is the, mm. that is the great thing that I'm, I'm, I'm missing in our teenagers. Mm. And that's why I think life coaching is 
is invaluable because where are they being told, hang on a minute, it's going to be tough, mm. push through. Mm. Hang on a minute, don't just change, push through. Mm. I love mm. you. You can do it. Mm. The expectation is not AAA plus, plus, plus. But the reality is when I go online and I see people living their best lives, their perfect lives, what does it say about my underlying belief? I am not enough. Mm. I'm not worthy of love. Mm. I'm stupid. Let's talk about mediocrity. Mm. Yes. I love it because I'm not a half arser. Mm. Ty, can you slot in? We're going to jump ahead to grab three. And look at what Dr. Ursula Froschauer said about mediocrity because we've established that um, the pressure to excel is very high and it's mm-hmm. mounting at our schools. But I want to I jump ahead because we're talking about just kind of half-assing things. Mm-hmm. In many situations, it doesn't. Our, our children are being told from very early ages you've got to get top grades, otherwise you're not going to get into university. And if you don't get into university, then you don't have a future. So we need to be cautious about the language that we use. And there will be things that our children are better at and things that they are worse at. And that's okay. That's okay. But I think it also speaks to societal expectations and pressures so getting A's um, in our reports or getting top marks to be able to study certain things um, at university and how highly esteemed university degrees are also speaks to how we are not acknowledging that there are other professions that um, you know, not everyone needs to go mm. to university. Um, it's not the pinnacle of success, mm. but it's how we construct it as a society or even within our I families. have a question around just to jump in straight yeah. after that. It got me thinking now about, um, uh, I, I'm not sure how to encourage m- mediocrity in our children without instilling a culture of, copping out of Mm, things, mm. you know, Um, because that's the one part of my question to you. And then the other part of my question is we're backing against a system here where in schools, regardless of whether it's public schooling or private schooling, um, only the best uh, public speakers get uh, chosen for the debate team and only the fastest runners get... Yes, they let all the the kids participate, especially in preschool level. Everyone gets to run. There's still a first, second and third place. Mm -hmm. Um, Everybody gets to participate. Everyone gets a trophy. But they speak amongst each other. No, so-and-so is definitely the best at that. Yes, you got a, a certificate for participation and we all participated and well done, but... Clear, there is a clear people are kids are not blind. There mm. is a clear, excellent candidate versus a less excellent mm. candidate. Mm. And so, how much of what our children and our youth will get um, from those scenarios do they get from home? And how much, how, like, how do we buffer that for them? Because my kids go to school and they get, um, 
they get encouraged to be the best. Mm. You need to run the fastest that, that you can because it's a race. You need to fill your sticker chart for good behavior. Then you get a mm -hmm. reward. Mm -hmm. And so my husband always tells me, and I get, I, I understand those things, but I feel frustrated with them because there isn't a lot of room for mediocrity. So if I am, if I'm just like a, I'm not failing, but I'm not at the top of my class, where do I fit in? Am I still loved and is that still okay? I can tell my kid that at home all I want, but I notice in his personality he's a competitor. Mm -hmm. He wants to be mm -hmm. the best. He has taken to comparing himself to the only other boy in the class that I would probably rate, and I'm his mom, as handsome as him. <laughs> and so, and he hears mm -hmm. all the time, yes, you're a handsome boy. You are so handsome. Mm. You're so good looking. Mm. He is going to place his worth in mm -hmm. in that and so he's already scouted uh, across the across the class like okay i'd say that oak's probably as good looking as i am mm -hmm. what do his marks look like how mm -hmm. fast does he run oh gosh i'm he get, he got to play in the first team because they have like heats mm -hmm. a b c d e and so um this kid got selected for the the best rugby team and my kid not at all. Mm. He got to he got to play rugby, but it wasn't the best team. He was like the fifth or sixth team, and he he already says I'm not I'm not a, a, as good at rugby as so and so. Of all the children he chose to compare himself to, it was that kid. Mm -hmm. Very nice boy, love him, love his parents. The kid's not even mean to my kid, mm -hmm. but my child has identified in his opinion shortcomings, mm -hmm. and so. What do we do at home? To, I can tell him I love him as much as I want. Mm -hmm. But if he chooses to compare himself in that way, what do we do for our, our kids? What do we do for our teenagers? I think it's important never to erase that competitiveness with inside of them. It is built within them. Hierarchy is built within them. So in the sake of, and we often do this nowadays, the word of inclusivity, mm. what we actually do is we water down value. Yes. So here you go, everyone, you all get a participation award. Congratulations. Yeah. But what does that mean? Yes. Are it we means not devaluing things. Exactly. Within ourselves, even if you gave everyone a participation award, you would start to rank. You rank by nature. Oh, but so-and-so was actually much better at his speech than me. He was actually far. He won the race, even though everyone gave a participation. So we, we minimize things that you can't get rid of. Mm. It will always be there. Yes. The importance, I would say, is start with the end in mind. So, what kind of man do you want your son to be when he is 56? 56? 56. I want him to feel loved, mm -hmm. happy, proud of who he is, mm -hmm. and feel like he's lived a life of abundance. Incredible. Now, nowhere there did you mention looks, grade, <laughs> or what sports he was doing. Yes, of course. But I'm an adult and I know that none of those things really matter. Aha. So what we, I would imagine, as parents have to do is counteract the opposite. So people will say, you're so good looking. I would advise, try not to say that to him. Because what he is learning is my value is based on something that, is on, that can change. What if I'm in a car accident? Exactly. Oh, shucks. So, my son, well done on your perseverance for doing that puzzle. Not, that's a beautiful picture. Ooh, wonderful. Oh, you're the next Picasso. But, wow, I really like the fact that you, and then instill the virtue that you see in them. Mm. I see that you used a lot of color and were creative. Mm. Wow. Okay. 
Creative is not being dependent on how pretty the picture it is. It is dependent on my ability to enact the action. Mm. Create something and my vision. Not something ever changing. Also, what made you alive? Elijah's not the fastest runner and he knows that. And it makes him feel sad. It does. Mm. Makes him feel sad that he doesn't have a trophy at gymnastics. Mm. He's only mm. just started yes. gymnastics. Mm-hmm. He, I doubt and, and maybe he'll prove me wrong. And maybe I'm preparing him for mediocrity. I don't want to, I don't want to push for mediocrity. Um, but I do notice what sparks joy in him and what makes him feel alive. And I, I'm a creative person. I was really, really good at maths. That's fell by the wayside. Nobody saw that coming. <laughs> I was. I was really. I was good at a lot of things because I put pressure on myself to excel at a lot of things. I really loved to dance. Mm. I did not cut it. Mm. I did not cut it. Unfortunately, in the performing arts, as you would know, mm-hmm. you have to take a lot of rejection. Mm-hmm. And so I hear you speaking about resilience. And so I, I can only imagine that you've had to face a, yeah. a fair bit of um, rejection in your mm. life as well. And for that to not go back to like Elijah or my kid to be like, what does this say about me? Mm. You know, mm. mediocrity doesn't necessarily or not excelling at everything doesn't necessarily yeah. mean that you are mediocre. It just means that you are a person in your own right. There are other things that you can excel. Go at. after what go. makes you feel alive. Yes. That's what I want my kid to do. Go after that one thing that is really going to going to put your heart on fire and make you feel like you're contributing and that you're you're doing something with your life that you want to be doing. And I'm telling you, it took me having Elijah to recognize what that was. Mm. Mm. What, and, and, you know, spoiler alert, it's not being a mom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it's running this podcast, writing about parenting. And it's, uh, I worked in, um, at a business to business magazine mm. and it, I learned a lot, but it did not spark joy. And it took me, I think we've got to realize that our kids are just five and six and seven. Mm. They need to learn this, but they also need a soft, safe space to land in us as parents as they go through. Remember when Elijah lost to Josh at Battleship? He was gutted. Destroyed. It was, Mm. quote, the worst day of his life. Yes, Mm -hmm. yes. Mm -hmm. And maybe I'm... A bit more hardcore as a parent. I was just like, I'm so sorry. Stop being a sore loser. You're going to lose. You're going to win at Battleship next time you try. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're going to try again. Mm-hmm. Sorry, bruh. Like, yeah, <laughs> On the topic of excelling and losing and winning, there is the reality of um, when we're looking at teenagers, for example, who have to choose career paths or there is a pressure not just to get the university degree, but also what makes a living, what Mm. earns the money. So you can chase what makes you feel alive as much as you want. I did though, Charlene. And it doesn't give me, it doesn't. It doesn't always pay the bills. And so there is a pressure on teenagers to, I remember when I, chose a career path as a teenager in high school I I chose to study drama I wanted to be an actress I wanted and my everyone told me it doesn't pay you're never gonna you're gonna have to go for a million auditions I copped out I didn't follow through I did not I'm not a professional performer today mm. and looking back at your work I I questioned it I questioned 
should I have stuck to mm-hmm. it? I, I had a, I had a hint of regret, and I, I looked at your work, and I was like, I could have easily been as good as this guy. I could have had these achievements, mm-hmm. and then I had to put it into perspective for myself, and I was like, that was not my path. It wasn't my mm-hmm. path. It, everything happens as it should be. But what about teenagers? They have to make decisions about career paths, about what's going to pay the bills, and what do we do as parents? I think we're quite lucky because I think we are living in a bit of a slashy culture. I am a actor slash motivational speaker slash life coach. We're in the gig economy. Yeah, we're in the gig economy. So so, and and look at university. People start off with a degree being like, cool, I'm going to do so and so and so. And six months they've changed at least three times. And by the end of the thing, they go into a job or a business that they didn't even study. Yes. Mm. Okay. So let's not harp on about this thing about money. And I speak very clearly about to kids of like, yes, I'm one of those people of your passion doesn't always pay the rent. But when I speak to elderly people on their deathbed, the conversation never is, damn, I wish I made more money. Damn, I should have invested. Damn. It's always, I wish I did the thing that I loved. I wish I loved more. I wish I had more children. I wish I was surrounded more by people who loved me. I wish I put boundaries in earlier on. I wish I had an adventurous life. So again, start with the end in mind. The end always is what kind of human being am I raising? What kind of man, what kind of daughter do I want our children to be? Start there. Because the rugby team and the A thing is the cherry on top. Mm. Always the cherry on top. And I say this kids, the inevitable is we are all going to die. All of us, no one is going to remember the number on the scale, what iPhone you had, who you liked, who you dated, who you didn't date, who you kissed, how much money was in the bank. What they will remember is your story and the story is your life, Mm. that you were kind, honest, generous, a damn good mother who loved fearlessly, a father who was present, who didn't play the scapegoat, who is active in their children's lives. That is the story that people will remember. So live that life. We do not need more money, more power, more fame. We need people who are alive. And this is what is lacking in our teenagers. Teenagers are filled with anxiety, depression. They are nervous, jittery, scared, and I do not see joy in their eyes. Can I say how I resent that we call them scholars and learners for these 18 years, even into university? You're a student. Mm-hmm. You're given a student card. No, they're people. Yes. They're so much more than just learners, scholars and sports people. 100%. And it's almost as though when you refer, in my mind, and it's terrible, it's a stereotype. When you think of someone that's a student, oh, it's the student life. You know, you can't really be taking them seriously. It's mm. just like, it's this carefree mm. Joel, party, Pooza Thursday kind of yeah. vibes that yeah. you get when yeah. you think of students. And yes, that that might be true to a degree because those are the carefree days of your life. Um, but a lot of young adults have worthy opinions, worthy things to say. And, and they're not, they're more than just a student. Mm. They know things. Just because they're young doesn't mean that they know nothing, Mm. you know? Mm. 
Absolutely. I'd like to say maybe apprentices of life. And I miss this word, an apprentice. And mm. I wish, yeah. I really wish we brought, you know, apprenticeships back in. Of like, I wish there was a student here learning how to podcast. Mm. You know, we must also recognize that our kids are going to be doing jobs that have not yet even been invented. Yeah. Mm-hmm. With skill sets that we do not even know of. Yes. So the, the possibility is endless. But it is the creation of this human being. This, they're going under apprenticeship. Yes. They are learning tools of the trade and all sorts of things but the most important trait is are they a great human being mm. do they have good moral compass a good value doesn't matter what job or title whatever you'd like to add to it are they good decent human beings who are selfless mm. talking about mor- moral compasses and yes. how we treat others Yes, I'd, I'm going to lightly touch on, on cyberbullying and hear what, what Ursula has to say about cyberbullying. Mm. Um, I think in the, and, uh, not to digress, but I think in the, in the grand scheme of things, there's something that she says about the focus being on the quote-unquote bully where what the victim um, might be feeling and the, and the boundaries that the victim puts in place could also have a deciding factor on how this narrative plays out. So we're going to look at what Ursula says about cyberbullying before very quickly moving on to what we can be doing as parents. And also punishment. So punishment won't be constructive in these situations, but rather helping that person understand why their behavior is unacceptable, Mm. why we don't treat other people like that. Um, encouraging empathy and compassion for others. So it can really be a space of growth for the bully. So there is a lot of attention on the bully that takes away from the victim. And the victim also needs to be equipped with skills in terms of setting boundaries. So you spoke about kindness and compassion earlier. And compassion also involves that we care for ourselves And this is often what our victims haven't been taught, to say no when a boundary has been overstepped or is being close to being overstepped, and to also be clear on what their own boundaries are. So there's an anecdote in that interview that I'm not going to repeat now just because we're uh, lacking time in, in something that I did in my parenting, which I will not necessarily uh, advise everybody to do but go ahead and when once the interview is up have a look at um, how I dealt with bullying in my household and I find that in terms of cyberbullying that could also be quite useful mm. setting boundaries as the victim and that I think that's where the self-worth for me plays in do, does your kid know that they have a soft place to land, that they have that home that you're talking about. But in order to to create that home, so so yeah, just to contextualize everybody in that, I think we need to steer our viewers to that that full interview to mm-hmm. to look at the full context because we're gonna jump ahead to parents taking care of their own mental health. Ursula said to me, one of the greatest predictors of suicide, which is why we are here, one of the greatest predictors of suicide is an unsupportive family environment that's frightening Mm. because that puts it a lot of it on me as a parent so what do you have to say about that Sven that you haven't already said and maybe use it as a closing thought before we look at what Ursula says about taking care of yourself 
I think it goes back to that word mediocrity, and it's such a fine line because you touched on it very nicely. I have to say, with with what is the difference between? See, I stri- I do personally struggle with the word mediocrity, purely in the sense of it can sometimes come across as indifference. Mm. And it can be a, quite an easy painted coat to laziness. Mm. Like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to be mediocre can today. I, can I interrupt you? Know, you? Yeah. You had said, please hold that thought. You had said oh, yeah. earlier how when you were preparing your Afrikaans speech and your mom jumped in. Oh, Did yes. you resonate with yes, that? Yeah, because uh-huh. you, you were like, oh, I'm not, oh, uh, I this can't, is why I can't do it so well. And then mom jumps in. And this is why in. I'm okay with the word mediocrity. That yeah. was never me. Yeah. That was never me. Oh, yeah, you see. I was star student, duck scholar, right up top there. My mm. homework was, my parents never once helped me with my homework. Sure. Sure. And not because they were disinterested or they, they helped mm. my brother, they helped my sister. I didn't need it. I was, I just. The captain champ- of my ship. Yeah. I was soldiering forward. Guys, <laughs> not unlike me preparing the notes and going through this interview on Sunday night to yeah. prepare for yeah. this. Yeah. Everybody else around me was sleeping. Yeah. I was on my computer. That is my choice. That is the person that I am. Mm-hmm. I And that is why mediocrity mm-hmm. for me, because I see it in my son, mm-hmm. he he will be diligent, I think. I'm not going to try to put that on him, but I think he will be diligent academically. And so I want him to know that it's okay not to be. To not be so hard on yourself. Yeah. Sam is a, I yes. often make fun of her. She is a workaholic <laughs> and an yeah. overachiever. Yeah. Yeah. And so I hear what you're saying about it can easily be a cop out. It can be like, oh, today I'm just going to have a lazy day and I'm not going like, to. Have you ever heard me say that? No. So Sam that's why I'm very comfortable with the word lazy. mediocrity. Mm. So, yeah, I think it's nice that we're having this conversation because <laughs> no, Sam calls it mediocrity, but I hear where you're going with this. Is that? But I think maybe, maybe, because, the, the, yeah, I, I back that 100%. It would be to look at what are we applying mediocrity to. Mm. So Perfection the, the externals, I couldn't care less. Mm. Then I'm like, go, go for it, you know, sloppy work, whatever. Like, again, that's not why I'm here. Mm-hmm. That's not why you are here in this life is to whether or not you did an essay for today's preparation or one word. Mm-hmm. You are here because you have something to offer. So I cannot apply mediocrity to my human person. Mm. Today I'm going to be a cuck person. Today I'm going to be selfish. Today I'm going to be just like a real, then mediocrity doesn't, that then doesn't work. We have a great quote in, in, in our family and it's up because it goes against oh, my wife and I, every fiber of our being. It's a G.K. <laughs> T- uh, Chesterton quote, which says, if something is worth doing, it's worth doing badly. Hmm. We, yeah, yeah. I know, I can Hang on, okay, explain that. If something is worth doing, it's worth doing badly. How often do we prevent ourselves from doing something, whether it is something fun, oh, good, yes. honest, all of these things, purely because we're too afraid mm. or we know that it's not going to be perfect the first time or whatever, mm. whatever, that we just don't do it mm. at all. Yeah, I'm not, I don't want to run in the race because I won't win. Yeah, mm. we won't win. So I, we, we deny ourselves the even the, exactly, even the opportunity. And going back to a little bit of what you said, you, were, you know, you wanted to dance, you, wanted to, you were maths, you know, you liked maths even as being a creative. I speak to, to teens on this is, who are you acting for? Mm. For whom are you dancing for? Mm. For whom are you doing maths for? Because if the honest answer is, I do it for me, I do it because I love it, then by gosh, if you suck and you have two left feet, 
dance your heart like out. No one's watching. Because that is incredible. Because because we can sometimes go like, shucks, I don't know how, I'm, I'm assuming, I don't know the full story about how your podcast started, but I bet you episode one, day one, <laughs> was a shambles. I put, huh? up, I put up an, a post on Instagram that reads, start before you're ready. Ah, there we go. Which was very hard for me to do. I was just going to say, go. that that first day when we recorded on Sam's phone oh, in Elijah's bedroom on the floor, hyped <laughs> yes. up on coffee and not knowing what we're doing <laughs> or where we're going. And when we were done recording and I said to you, now what? And you were like... I don't know. That, <laughs> that knowing you now and your, your level of workmanship goes against every fiber of your being. But if we didn't do that, we wouldn't have this. Yes. And, and even that episode, I mean, we could have easily gone and deleted that first exactly. episode. The now first that, 10. Now that the production, I mean, there's literally an episode with people like drilling in the background <laughs> and Hardy does screaming. Fantastic. But the content, what was being was discussed in those episodes, it was real, mm. it's relatable, and we will never remove those episodes because someone is going to find that episode and they are not going to give a shit about the Hardy does. Oh. They're going to hear what we're saying and it's going to pull them out of a black fucking hole yes. and they're going to be like these girls are my people <laughs> you know you and so if if we have parents of teenagers listening that's such good advice Sven because I honestly I want that for my kids I want them to try I want mm. them to just take the leap and try mm -hmm. so we suck at it hmm, okay now we know we suck mm -hmm. at it Mm -hmm. You don't know. You don't yeah. know. Yeah. And encouragement for parents. Really, I would encourage them, again, A, take on your authority. Take it back. The phone, the whatever. We have allowed it into our homes. Mm. You know, we can never say, oh, but how did my son get here? He's playing eight hours of Fortnite a night and he's not getting enough sleep. Hello? Who bought the PlayStation? Who got the phone? Okay. Mm -hmm. So take back the authority as parents. And with that... I just, yeah, I, I encourage parents to really just give your kids the space to fail. Mm. Give them the space to fail. In that, I had to learn how to give myself the space to fail. Mm -hmm. mm. So there's a lot of learning that I've had to do about myself. And that happened, that process started when I became a parent. So I want to touch on um, – just those final thoughts. And let's first hear, before we close up, what Ursula has to say about taking care of yourself um, so you can take care of your children. Mm -hmm. Our parents taking care of themselves. We cannot care for others if we haven't cared for ourselves first. So making sure that one's needs are met, one's basic needs are met, that parents are, if we're starting from very basic levels, that parents are sleeping enough. How many parents do we have that are only sleeping six hours? Mm. Um, are parents eating well and healthily? Uh, food that nurtures their bodies, that helps them feel good. Are parents active? Are they exercising? Are they getting that endorphin release? Are they doing things that fulfill them? 
Are they spending time with friends? Are they reading a book if that interests them or watching their favorite series on Netflix? So what is happening to a parent's self-care would be my first question. And this is a lifelong journey. This is not a goal that we reach. It's a continuous thing that needs to be worked on. And from that place, parents are better able to care for their children. What I've noticed in my experience is that parents often project their expectations of themselves onto their, their children. So their children can at times become little extensions of them. So if their child doesn't perform well on a test, it can feel very personal as if they haven't performed well. What does this mean about them as parents? Do they feel good enough? So this really is an area where self-care is needed before parents can move to caring for their children. Guilty. I'm guilty. I'm guilty of a lot. I started this um, episode out saying how broken I I have been. I've been doing a lot. I've been entering that mommy martyr mindset of, you fuckers, I do everything for you all the time and nobody does anything for me. My ther- and I haven't seen my therapist. And my therapist would say, what have you done for you, Sam? So that is my final thought that I've taken on a lot of what I've learned from you of what I learned from Ursula and the work starts with me and it is a journey you and it is in my nature to have it perfect the first time but parenting is not that thing parenting is a journey and parenting is something that's going to come in waves and I'm going to lose myself at the end of a big wave like I've done now and I'm going to find myself again I'm going to get back to that I'm going to nurture myself in the ways that I know I need to be nurtured. Mm. Um, so that is my great takeaway in this very complex discussion and how bridging the gap between us having small children and what you're witnessing among our teens, which terrifies me. And I'm going to start with me. Do you want to say what your sort of closing thought was? And then Charlene. Charlene comes with the bangers, man. Let me tell you. Bangers. She, she knows. She, okay. Sven, go for it. I think my, my closing thought on that is not all. And, and, and I hear you in terms of you, your personality and your temperament. Um, we do have, I would imagine, quite a selfish culture that says I am important, the me culture, particularly our teenagers, where life revolves around them. So to parents who are burnt out and burning the candles at both ends, self-care is incredibly important, but never negating one's responsibility. Because it can be very easy, like, oh, stuff, you kids, I'm going to the spa. Oh, no, absolutely. But I don't think that's in a lot of... Self-care. Mm-hmm. I don't think a lot of moms are doing that. I think a lot of moms are just sacrificing themselves and getting to the end of 12 years of schooling with their children, not the end of yeah. parenting. Yeah. And not knowing who the fuck they are because yes. they haven't lit that they haven't kept that fire of what keeps them them, them alive. Mm. They haven't kept that going and I fight for that fire, let me tell you. Fight for that fire. Not at the expense of my kids. Never mm. at the expense of my kids, but I fight daily. 
mm. for the things that keep me alive. And I do lose track of it, but yeah. I hear and what I think on, and on that, d- d- don't lose the fight. The fight really is, <laughs> for me, my kids are third, third in the line. You know, after my relationship with God, number one. Number two, it is my relationship with my wife. Mm. That is what's going to keep this family alive. That is what is going to keep the love tank overflowing. It is having weekly date night and people go to me often. Yeah, well, I can't afford a a babysitter. And I go like, listen, can you afford a divorce? Mm. (laughs) Can you afford having two kids separated for the rest of their life or, or family split apart? Like, honestly, ask yourself, what do you value? Because this is important. So mom, dad out there, spend time curating, reinvigorating, get the romance going again, particularly with young kids, because it is tough, because they consume your every day. The dialogue that is now between mom and dad is business we business friends, mm. right? We got, right. Who's doing the shopping? Who's doing this? Cooking that? You know, so and so needs this. Can you change that? But daddy needs to go there. So, as opposed to whoa, whoa, whoa. Hi, love. Mm. How are you? Damn, you look tired. What can I do? How can I serve you? Yeah. And I think within service, Sam, within your sacrifice, is love. Even when it burns you, your heart is growing. In love. Mm. So there's a lot of stuff I'm not going to put down. We we discussed parties and mm. and what's <laughs> necessary. What's mm. necessary. There's a lot of stuff I'm not going to put down. At mm. the I'm not going. Nothing will happen at the expense of my kids. Mm. <laughs> the the level of neglect I've imparted on myself is something I need to rectify. Yeah. Good. Yeah. What What about you? What's your bottom line? We, we're jumping straight to the bottom line, here, by the way. <laughs> Look, I will say that your thought on start with the end in mind is, it's been enlightening for me, Sven. Thanks for, for that. Because I get caught up in the how-to. Um, I, I, I feel like I need to do this. I need to do this. You, you think practically mm-hmm. about things. But right at the heart of it, I know what my goal is. I know where I'm headed with this. And I I think if we can remind ourselves, that was a, a very good thought for me um, to just think about for, for a moment. And I, I've known that in my heart all along, but the way you phrased it, I think, is what sealed the deal for me, is think about what is the... What's the goal here? Where are we going? Yes, the goal is happiness, success, all of the beautiful, perfect in a perfect world thing, mm-hmm. uh, 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 thoughts, you know. But I, I do not always recognize that in the moment, is it going to kill us to get through this thing perfectly or in the day to day? Is it going to kill us? So what if we fail? And we talk about this often when we talk about breastfeeding, for example, or the the the, the way in which you birth your children, whether it is a, a vaginal birth or a C-section birth or a did you have a doula or a – we talk about the end goal and we're like one day when we're walking around on the streets, nobody looks at you and they're like, oh, definitely a breastfed one. No, 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 that one's definitely a C-section baby. Mm. That is a big thing for me. It doesn't matter in the end. Does it matter in the end if you are so hell-bent on those things? Or is it going to matter in the end? What will matter in the end? And also, who are you doing this for? Because does it matter what people say, what people will remember? Will it matter what you will remember? Will it matter what you feel? 
in the end, mm. it only matters. Me, me, what I feel, what I'm proud of, what I have to look back on. Yes, are there things I would change? For sure. 100%. Nobody has a perfect life. But did it count? Am I satisfied with what I did in this life, with what was given to me? Mm-hmm. That's what matters. It only matters whether you can look back on your journey and be like, I did great. Mm. You did it. You did it. You did it. You Boom. did the, the banger. I'm going to close off there, but I do want to thank you, Sven, for joining us on The Great Equalizer. I think there's a lot more we can unpack. Yeah, so hopefully, such a big topic. <laughs> hopefully it's not the last time hopefully. that you're here. Yeah. On the Great Equalizer. Thank you for having me, guys. Really, we're gonna link all our listeners up to your to your platforms and your you. real profiles so that they know where to find you from here on out. Thank you, Charlene. Yes, we're gonna go straight into this. We need to keep talking, but not right now. Because we're on a time crunch. Yes, and I mean, you and I can just talk until we the can. end of day. So, guys, you know this. If you want to chat with us, you want to weigh in on something, you want to swear, rant, cry. We did. We cried on the show today. If you want to laugh with us, please hit us up over email at info at thegreatequalizer at gmail.com. DM us a voice note on Instagram if you so choose or record one on your phone and hit us up over email info at thegreatequalizer.co.za. Also, feel free to subscribe. Yes. And <laughs> to our new YouTube channel. And also remember to hit the like button. Your support, as always, everybody, is super important to us. And you have no idea how much every like, love, comment, and share means to us. Exactly. So please don't forget to review us on Apple Podcasts and rate us on Facebook. Whatever your poison, just find us, leave us a loving review, except on TikTok, because we're not there yet. I'm all day if people. I'm trying to get with the times. <laughs> maybe one day. Maybe one day. And again, hit the subscribe button. Every interaction brings one mom, I believe this, one mom closer to sanity. Yes, 100%. The more we're seen, the more we can have these discussions, the more we can have these wonderful in-studio guests, and the better this podcast can be for you. So, I think that's it for this week. Until next time, Charlene. Actually, I want to change this up. We always say, let's say it together, keep Keep your your mom mom game strong. strong. But I want to say, you are doing a good job. Ah, and you too. Sven? You're doing You're a, a good job. Dad. You're a great dad. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, guys. So are you great moms. Shout out to our producers over at Autumn Aperture and Arc Studios, including our editor, Tyler McKenna, and sound engineer, Stephen Trill. Please review our show notes for more on today's topic and expert guest. And for more on The Great Equalizer, our website is always a good idea, www.thegreatequalizer.co.za, along with our social media platforms on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and now YouTube. And of course, if you want to chat with Sam or Shalene directly, email us at info at We would love to hear from you. 